1: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's a piece yours truly hosted that I trust you will enjoy. Pleased to welcome back United States Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Senator, always good to have you.
2: Hey, Hugh, glad to be with you.
1: I believe in the long game, your memoir. I think I've quoted this about a hundred times. You write... You can start too late, but you can never start too early. Do I have that correct?
2: That's about right, yeah. (laughs)
1: Okay. So I'm looking at the uh, list of judges, and you have thus far led the Senate in the confirmation of two Supreme Court judges, 41 circuit court judges, and 70 district court judges. Under the category of "What have you done for me lately?" though, <laughs> there are there are two nominees awaiting a vote for the third and ninth circuit. There's poor Mister. Brest can't even get a hearing, I don't think. There are seventy district court judges or sixty still waiting for a vote, and the nominations pipeline is dried up. Where do we stand, Leader McConnell? And are we going to get every seat filled before this Congress leaves?
2: Yeah, my motto for the lifetime appointments to the courts is leave no vacancy behind. And uh, as you've reported on previous shows. The Democrats' uh, minorities made it challenging. We made a slight adjustment in the rules uh, about five weeks ago, and we've been able to double the pace. So we are spending a lot of time on the executive calendar, Uh, not only on lifetime appointments, but the president, you know, who actually won the election, had been um, denied such significant positions as assistant secretaries of, of the cabinet by uh, slow walking. So we've we've spent a lot of time on the executive calendar. We're going to continue to do that. Get the president's uh, people finally in place after two and a half years. His term is half over, and um, there, there will be no judges left behind. So don't worry about any any that may be uh, currently still in committee. As soon as they come out, we're going to clear the deck. And I want to make one other point too about to compliment the president and the administration on the kinds of people they're sending up. Uh, Your listeners might be interested to know that the age of the circuit judges that we are confirming are a little under four years younger than the initial age of President Obama's circuit court nominees. So the administration is paying a lot of attention to not only whether they're strict constructionists, which we think is important, but also uh, trying to find people as young as possible. I remember (laughs) one week few weeks ago we confirmed a 37-year-old woman for the Fourth Circuit and a 39-year-old man for the Sixth Circuit.
1: Uh, Allison Rush, I believe. Uh, It was a great, great appointment. She's terrifically qualified uh, to have that job. And I'm curious, though, on the Allison Jones rushing, excuse me, uh, there is a couple of vacancies in the Second Circuit. One is open, one isn't announced, and no nominees. And that circuit could flip to a majority Republican appointee circuit, it's a critical circuit. Have you talked to Council Cipollone or the President about getting nominee? I've got favorites in both of those chairs, but uh, I think one of them is, is uh, Attorney Assistant Attorney General Williams over in New York would fit in the New York seat, and I've got one uh, Carol Platt Liebow for the Second Circuit that I'm pumping. Do you think they're working on this fast enough at the White
2: oh, House? Yeah, yeah. Look, we we're not going to. There's not going to be a single circuit court do Remember, there's a year and a half left in this Congress uh, and in this White House, and uh, we're not going to leave any circuit court vacancies behind. I wouldn't be alarmed by the fact that we don't have a nominee yet. The pace has been outstanding. In fact, uh, the best in history, the 41 circuit judges that we've done uh, at this point are far and away the the most uh, of any administration in American history. So I I would not be critical of that. I know we're going to get nominees, and believe me, As soon as they come out of committee, we'll pick them up. All
1: right, let me talk to you a little bit about the district court judges. This is especially pressing in California. There are dozen vacancies in California for whom there is no nominee, because the blue slip still exists, the, the right of a home state senator to deny a confirmation going forward. There's supposed to be a deal struck between Senator Feinstein and the White House, but some of these district court—I mean, it's not fair to the litigants. You know well—you were a county judge, which is a different job than a lot of people think. But you know how important trial courts are. What is what's wrong with the Democrats? They, they got to be able to find just some judges who will do trial work.
2: Well, the administration does work with the Democrats at the district court level because we still do allow home state senators of either party to block uh, district court uh, nominees. That's been a long-standing tradition of the Senate. Uh, Honestly, Hugh, I don't know what may be transpiring between the White House Counsel's office and Senator Feinstein and Senator Harris, but um, my understanding is the way they work the district judges is they they do talk to the home state senators, and we have a number of them, uh, district judges, on the calendar, meaning they're ready to be taken up at some point here when some of the obstruction stops that have cleared uh, both what I call blue and purple states, a blue state, meaning two Democratic senators, a purple state, meaning one Democrat, one Republican. So the Democrats are not completely irrelevant to the process for district court judges. And the next time we have a Democratic president, we won't be uh, either.
1: Now, now talk to me one more question about judges, about um The reason why you just don't keep the Senate in session around the clock until the members break and This used to be a routine deal. This used to
2: be a long routine. No, it it wasn't routine. And it doesn't really produce anything. Uh, We we get more. We're going to do, for example, eight district judges this week, um, keeping them in all night, but only harden the other side and make it even more difficult. So it sounds like a solution, but it really isn't.
1: let's expand on that, because I do get lots of calls from people who say if the if the leader and I defend you all the time, I think this is, I think, the best record of judges ever in terms of appointees. But they say, just keep them in town. Don't let them go home. And you just said that would harden them. Does it matter if they get any harder because they're already doggone hard?
2: Uh, yeah, it does. I mean, you don't want to completely break the Senate. And if I thought, believe me, I don't think anybody doubts my persistence about judges. I, I don't rarely get criticized because I'm not doing enough judges. Um, if I thought that would produce more judges, I would do it. we got a year and a half to go in this Congress. Uh, everybody needs to be patient. We're not going to leave any judges behind at the end of this Congress.
1: All right. Uh, have you heard anything about retirements from the court, uh, the big court, the Supreme Court?
2: Not a word. Um, not a word. It is It is a story I think you and I have discussed before that's interesting. Uh, President Obama was so anxious to have uh, Justice Ginsburg retire that <laughs> they almost sent out a press release. She got her back up, according to the story I read, and uh, decided she would uh, wait until Hillary Clinton was elected and let her pick the replacement. Uh, that didn't work out too well. I think Justice Ginsburg has shall say, minimal enthusiasm for uh Uh, President Trump, and I wouldn't anticipate a vacancy. But if we were to get one before the end of this term, as I have reminded everybody repeatedly, the tradition has been if you have a a party of a, uh, a Senate of a different party from the president, those vacancies created in a presidential election year are not filled. And that's what I did in 2016. However, if the Senate is of the same party as the president. Uh, we certainly would go forward if there were a vacancy, but I don't uh, anticipate one.
1: And, you know, I have defended that. The Senate is now a majoritarian body post the read rule change of the rules. And I've defended you on this. But, you know, Democrats distort this again and again. They say you're changing your position. You have not well, changed your do. position. <laughs>
2: Well, look, they do. Uh, you, you remember that, that they hammered me for years because I said I wanted President Obama to be a one-term president. Yes, there was there was only only one reporter inside the Beltway, uh, Bob Woodward, who pointed out the rest of what I said, which was we had two years left to go in the Obama administration, and that was uh, his first term, and there were plenty of things we needed to work on together for the country they just conveniently snipped that off so i'm, I'm kind of used to it um i can take the heat that's part of my job
1: kentucky tough i believe your website team com, says kentucky tough let me turn to the media and the mexico deal the president says there is a deal he says parts of it have not been made public i have confirmed that with one of the negotiators And the Washington Post has all the details today. But most of the media say the president is lying. What has happened to the American media, Senator?
2: Well, I think they just can't let the president have a win. I mean, I think the cold hard reality is, even though almost none of my members were (laughs) enthusiastic about the prospect of tariffs, you have to give the president credit. It worked. The, The threat of levying tariffs on Mexican goods coming in. Uh, clearly got the government's attention down there and the president deserves applause not condemnation uh, for the outcome which has a, a good chance of solving this crisis at the border his other problem you, is is uh, congressional democrats who will not let us uh, pass a supplemental appropriation to deal not with the wall but with the humanitarian crisis down at the border. We passed a supplemental uh, appropriation a, a couple of weeks ago dealing with storms uh, that you know in Puerto Rico and Florida and Alabama, Georgia, Nebraska, Iowa, and we tried to add to it a, a little under $5 billion for, to deal with this humanitarian crisis at the border. And they said, we won't pass it if you do that. So the president had two problems here. One was the Mexican government. He solved that. Now it's time to try to solve uh, the problem of the Democrats. They need to step up, because even the New York Times said, give Trump the money. We're talking about the humanitarian crisis at the border. Uh,
1: I I hope they do. I'm I'm not optimistic. Let me conclude by asking you about the Defense Authorization Act. Uh, I think you have nearly an unbroken record of bipartisan passage of the DAA. Is that going to continue this year, or has dysfunction crept into Congress so deeply? because of Trump derangement syndrome, that even the National Defense Authorization Act will be uh, taken off the rails?
2: I don't think uh, that it will be partisan. Uh, we're going to deal with it the beginning next week. It does have a tradition of uh, being bipartisan, and I think it will continue. Uh, the, the, you know, we still are able to man- uh, maintain a certain level of collegiality on some things, and I think that certainly will be applied to the Defense Authorization Act.
1: Are you able to get a quorum with as many Democrats are running for president?
2: It's actually helpful from time to time, <laughs> as you can imagine.
1: Well, when you hear them out there talking, then my really my last question: Does what they say about the country fit with the reality of, say, Kentucky, where well, you're on the ballot too? And I don't know if the Democrats have found anyone to run against you after the last one, but th- does it fit with what you find in Kentucky?
2: Of course not. I mean, what they're they're preaching these days is full scale socialism. Uh, They want to turn us into sort of a Western European socialist country. Remember what Margaret Thatcher said about socialism. She said the problem with socialism is pretty soon you run out of other people's money. That's where they are, and that's why we need to beat them next year.
1: Uh, Senator McConnell, always great to talk with you. I hope you'll you'll find time to call Pat Cipollone today and tell him to hurry up with the nominees.
2: Okay, I'll do it.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Senator. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review.